Hello, hello and welcome. Welcome to Living Daily in Worthiness and Authenticity. I am your host, Bola Abimbola. I'm a clarity and emotional freedom coach. I help people achieve emotional freedom from anxiety. Check out my podcast on Spotify. New episodes every Sunday morning at 8am British Standard Time. Today's episode is titled Emotional Intelligence in Parenting. And my guest today is Manny Ebot. She's an author um, of The Cage Bird, and she's also an attachment coach with postgraduate in psychosocial rehabilitation. Welcome, welcome, Manny. How are you? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Bola, for having me. I'm fine. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Ectic week, but there you go. As long as the creative juices are flowing, we are we are we are good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thanks um, for having me here today. So yes, good. yes. I know it's five a.m. over there in Canada. So um, thank you, thank you for joining me. Um, so I'm, we're going to get started. Um, so today is about emotional intelligence in parenting and. Um, I wanted us to just start off with you telling us a little bit about yourself and uh, you know what you do, a bit more about what you do and why you do it. Yeah, so um, I am a certified trauma recovery coach. That's how we met during our, our studies to become certified trauma recovery coaches. So yeah, before, prior to that, I did a graduate diploma in psychosocial rehabilitation and I took so many psychology courses. Well, not really so many, but quite a few psychology courses. And I realized it was mostly about um, depression and mental illness, but very little about trauma. And from where I was coming from, I knew many people experienced trauma. They wouldn't definitely um, identify as going through depression, anxiety, or one of the mental illnesses, but they also had struggles. So that was what motivated me to do further studies into the trauma program. And when I started working as a trauma recovery coach, I also came to realize that most of my clients didn't just experience trauma, but most of the people that work with were specifically going through attachment issues, either facing attachment, um, attachment in childhood, and that influenced their adult experiences. So that's what motivated me to go into the attachment work. So it's all been a, it's, it's all been a train ride, starting from psychosocial rehabilitation, then realizing the need for trauma, and then realizing the need for attachment, um, parenting and attachment trauma specifically. And in all of that, I'm also a mother. I have four kids. So I really, yeah, the work has been very beneficial for me as a parent myself. I've seen the evolution in my relationship with my kids since I started, since I began focusing on attachment trauma and also from my child experiences, I also have some trauma in my childhood and it also helped me to understand my experiences more. So it's been like two way beneficial to me to help my clients and also to help my personal and family life. Yes, yes. What, what differences have you seen as a parent? One of the main differences I've seen is my emotional response because I come from a background where 
first of all, we will label emotions as negative and positive, which I do not think it's something which is beneficial because when we look at what sort of emotion has been negative, such as anger, sadness, boredom, we do not allow people to feel it. We do not allow them the room to experience or sit with that emotion and, and walk through it and learn from why that emotion is coming up. So when I started this work in my personal life and my children, I realized letting them feel the emotions and then coaching them through the emotion and what we, we problem solve together, I realized it built more resilience and more competence and confidence in, the, in my children, as well as my clients, the people I've worked with. So it it's, it's first of all, transforms their emotional response, how they respond to their emotion. And then that is seen now in other aspects of their life. It increases the service team, it, it boosts their confidence. It helps them realize what whatever we've seen as negative is really not negative per se, it's our response to it. Like if you if we respond to the emotion in a certain way, if we let the anger control us rather than tuning in to realize what is making me angry in this moment, that is what makes the difference. Yes. And also in terms of um, another difference I've seen in, in, the, in the work of trauma, like some, some people experience trauma either in childhood or in their marriages or in various aspects, in various areas of their life. And when we do not know that the cause of this problem is as a result of an underlying trauma, then we let it influence our life. But when we realize that this trauma is the, is the reason I'm acting this way, then we can walk through the trauma and then it's also going to improve the relationships and personal and business life as well. Yes, yes, I totally agree. Because it's from that place of us actually realizing our own emotions mm -hmm. and working through them and accepting them and realizing how we respond to them that we can then begin to relate to, to our own, to, all, to, to our children, to our family members and those around us at home and at work. So it starts with us, I guess. Yeah. And this is this yes. is this is this is what we all know. This is this is what we were taught as coaches that the trauma, the trauma recovery starts with us. And then it begins to impact everybody around us, especially as parents. Absolutely. We have this responsibility for our children. Um, even though they have a, a destiny of their own. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so tell us more about your book, The Caged Giant, um, the, from victim through survivor to thriver. Tell us more about that. Yeah, um, my book, The Caged Giant, it's specifically on trauma and trauma recovery. And also um, it's more about mindsets. So the caged the cage giant is how we've been caged in mindsets that no longer serve us. Maybe during our trauma experiences at one time it helped us cope with the trauma but now you get to a point it's like is this still worth keeping it is it helping me achieve my goals is it helping me become a better person helping me become who i really want to be so that is really it's more about mindset so um in the book i bring up three types of mindset the victim the survivor and the thriver and to me the victim the victim mindset from what i have seen in my life and the life of clients and from the research i did the victim mindset is when we have those um, traumatic encounters, the traumatic events, then it's like, why is this happening to me? Why me? 
when we feel like um like it's why should it be happening to me and not anyone else and then we blame ourselves for the experiences we live in that in that defeat of the events and so that's the, the victim mindset then from the victim mindset we now come up with um certain coping mechanisms to say okay i'm not going to stay in this i'm going to do everything i can to get out of it that's when you move now to the survival stage but in that survival stage sometimes most of the coping mechanisms we pick up they're not so healthy and it's not really serve us well but then it is helping us at that moment to shield to shield the the negative impact of the trauma so maybe sometimes we don't want to feel it we, we put ourselves we put a barrier between us and the events and then now that's in the survival stage now moving to the thriver is when you start examining your life and saying okay these are the beliefs I've heard. these are the coping mechanisms i put up are they still serving me what can I drop? What can I pick up? What is a, a healthy mechanism I can pick up? What is a healthy belief? What are the lies? The lies I, I learned maybe the victim when the survival stage. What are the lies I can drop? And 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 what is the truth now I, I have learned, which is going to help me to become who I really want to be or who I know I am capable of becoming. Bird, the, the um maladaptive coping mechanisms in the survival and the victim stage are holding me down. And I want to thrive. How, how am I going to drop them down? So it's all about that. It's all about moving from that stage of victim to survivor to thriver. And it guides you through the various stages. And it also talks mostly like someone who really wants to learn more about trauma. So it goes into the background of what trauma is all about and how, how it impacts a person's life. What are the various sources of um, trauma? So it's like it's basically on trauma. And I read your book and I really love how you show in your book, Maggie, how you went from being a survivor, um, from being a victim to a survivor and being a thriver, being yes. the phenomenal woman that you are today. Um, and I think, you know, anyone who really wants to understand that transition and really work through the examples, but this is real life. It's not yes. theory. This is real yeah. life. And it's about how we begin to shift the experiences within us from being that victim to a thriver. And I love how you have been so honest in your book um, about what you have been through and how you have gone through that transition. Yeah, so I encourage thank everyone you. to go and get a copy. It's on Amazon um, and yeah. it's absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, you can so. get it on Amazon. And the book, it's not, um, yes. it's my story. But then to make it more global, yeah. I use various stories like experiences of trauma. So this is, a, this is a story that runs through the book from every chapter, like a case study. Yeah. So it's a, the story is a compilation of experiences of women I talk to. Yes. And I use the various experiences to bring one unified story. Yes. So everyone who has experienced different forms of trauma can be able to identify with it. So it's not just the theory, like, like you mentioned, also practical because I bring out the, the case study and applied it in that case study in the person's life. The, the main character in the book is called Kiki. And yeah. so I use the various recovery steps and how Kiki experienced it in her personal life. So, so Kiki, in Kiki's story, you'll find my story and you find the story of women I also talked to wrapped all in Kiki. Yes, yes. And I am a Kiki as well. We're all Kikis. Yeah. <laughs> 
Okay. So I'll say the next question I have for you, Manny, is what inspired you to be an attachment coach? You mentioned it a little bit at the beginning, but um, just a little bit about what is it about attachment, being a parent and attaching to, you know, the difficulties of attaching as in childhood for yourself and, um, and um, just talk a bit more about that, about what inspired you to be an attachment coach. Yes, so being an attachment coach, first of all, it came from my own experiences because I realized my, so um, as a child, I really didn't, I, I, I really didn't feel like I attached to one of my caregivers because growing up in, in Africa, we know in my home where over like, it was a full house with so many people, but then it's a full house, but that bond and that connection, it's really not there. And it all comes down to the various responses to emotions. Like when a child is exhibiting emotions, how do we respond to it? Are we, if we as the caregiver are dismissive of the emotions or if we acknowledge it, but don't help the child walk through it, the, the child finds it very hard to attach to a parent or a caregiver. So because to me, I see him and what I've learned, <coughs> what I've learned through the, sorry, let me get some more. Mm, I'll have some as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, we have a guest. My daughter just wake up. <laughs> yes, yes. Hello. What's your daughter's name? Elizabeth. Elizabeth. Yes, yes. Oh, okay. She's going to say hello. Are you going to say hello? <laughs> she wants a hug. <laughs> Hiya, Elizabeth. She's not having it. Yeah. Yes. She does wake up. <laughs> it looks like I may have to carry her and continue. Is that okay? Yes, of course. Of course. If she is happy with that. Yeah, I think she's she she okay. Hugs and cuddles this morning. <laughs> yes. Well, this is attachment. This is attachment. Yeah, it is. It? Yeah. <laughs> it's that kind of loving, loving. She's she's content in your arms and she's yeah. secure. She's secure, which is lovely. Yeah. So yes. Yeah. So going back to attachment. Um, so what inspired me to do this work is about this just like the secure you just mentioned, the secure attachment, right? Growing up, I really didn't feel like I had that secure attachment. And later in life, I could see it showing up in various aspects in my relationship, in the choices I made in um, social interaction with friends and all of that. And working with my clients, I also realized that most of the issues, although they've experienced trauma, but most of their current relationship um, challenges were as a result of not being securely attached in childhood. So that inspired me to work with parents to, to to as like parents who aspire to become to have a secure attachment with their children, mm -hmm. so I work with them and we go through the various stages of building that. Because often we always think attachment it's all about bonding. Like I know when you have a baby, you're told to um, have close, maybe skin to skin with the baby and have um, breastfeed and contact mm -hmm. and all of that. And some, yeah, sometimes parents do that. But then, because we think it's just 
for newborn babies, when the baby are good at baby stage, we tend to not respond to the baby the way we had responded to the baby in the early stages. But attachment is really not all about that, or even if it encompasses that is very little to do with that. It's mostly how you respond to the baby's emotions when yeah. the baby is crying, when the baby is hurt, when the baby is, is um, the various res responses, the impulses that the baby gives, how do you respond to that? That is what builds the attachment with that child. And it creates a template in the child's brain as the child grows more in life because the way a child is attached to a caregiver would determine how the child sees um, life generally. Mm -hmm. if, the child, if, the, if, if the caregiver is dismissive, then the baby is going to see that as, use that as a template in future relationship. So if we want to have children who are, who are, who are secured in their relationship, it starts in the baby stage. It starts with how we respond to the baby how we connect with the child yes yes in the early stages yeah yes and is that connection with ourselves mm -hmm. that really enables us to open up yeah and have the capacity isn't it to connect yeah. to the child yeah and um it's not just physical i totally agree with you it's not just a physical aspect it's mm -hmm. also the emotional and the social aspects as well. It's it's about encouraging other people to value that child because a child is raised by a village, isn't it? A village, a community, yeah. um, and that and that really is um, is 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 really important. And I can see how that inspired you. I can see how that inspired you, and I can understand a bit more about your work. Um, so could you tell us more about how parents can develop emotional intelligence for better outcomes within? Um, we've talked a lot about with the children, but within, mm -hmm. how parents can develop emotional intelligence for better outcomes within themselves. Yeah. So in emotional intelligence, if even if we are, we do need to help our children, it starts with us, just like you mentioned, it, it has to begin with us. So but parents to develop emotional intelligence is first of all to be aware, aware of the emotions. What am I feeling right now? Because if a parent is not calm or it's not um, in a calm state, I put it that way, then the parent will find it challenging to help a child, right? So it starts with you. So first of all, to be aware of your own emotions. What are you feeling? And then when you're aware of the emotions, when you're aware of the emotions you're feeling, you, you label it because that's another thing. Growing up, I never even knew that emotions could be labeled. We knew like anger, sadness, and that was it. But the emotions are there are varieties of emotions. So first of all, it's for parents to learn about the various types of emotions because it's very helpful to label your emotions. If, if not, it's going to look like something weird, something obscured, like what is this? But when you're able to label the emotions, then you're able to walk through it. Like if I'm feeling angry right now, what is making me angry? So it's going back to the root of first, the awareness. It starts with the awareness. Then it goes to labeling the emotions and then problem solving. Yeah. You problem solve. What caused this emotion? How can I move forward from it? What can I learn out of it? Like I mentioned earlier, emotions, what we consider negative emotions is it's mostly our negative, um, it's mostly the negative behaviors we exhibit as a result of the emotions. To me, I believe emotion by itself is not negative. It's our response to it that is either negative 
or positive. If I'm feeling angry, that's one of the, anger is an emotion we've considered as a negative emotion. But what I will say is, if I'm feeling angry, I won't say it's a negative emotion. It's what, what I do as a result of that anger that could be negative or positive. I could turn that situation around to say, okay, instead of maybe yelling or hitting, like that's one of the things which, like I know, growing up, I know that's um, yeah. autopilot response to eat or to do something. Now, what can I do different? Can I sit with my emotions? Do I meditate? Do I take some time away? Do I take deep breath? Yeah. Yeah. So those are the kind of things. If I'm experiencing anger and I take deep breath, then when I'm calm, I respond to the trigger of the emotion. That way, that way I'm able to better solve the problem. That way it's not really negative. Yeah. You see. Yeah. And those three steps again, being aware. Yeah. Being aware. And then what was the second one? It was I know problem solving came in there. Being aware, being aware of what you're feeling, labeling the feeling. Labeling. Yeah, labeling. Labeling. Problem yes. solving. Yes. Because this is this is um that awareness of the range of emotions that we have and knowing that emotions are really natural. They occur naturally, and it's about how we manage them. And that, and that managing is one of the things we do when we're managing is, is, is labeling it in a way that is not a negative definition, isn't mm -hmm. it? It's about giving it that definition that it empowers us. Um, yeah. So it's you know being aware of the range. That is a learning. That takes some learning because we're not necessarily taught this in school about the range of emotions that we have. Yeah. Um, you know there are about sixty different types of emotions. Although the basics, as they say, is fear and love, and everything kind of yeah. stems out from that. But yeah, there is. What did you say? Yeah, so especially for maybe most of us who didn't grow up in this part of the world, like. Yeah. Currently, I live in Canada, but I grew up in Cameroon. Yeah. We did. I could say the first time I saw a child with various type of emotions was when my daughter was in kindergarten. Yes, in That's Canada. I was like, oh, so they, yeah. yeah, in Canada, when my daughter yeah. was in kindergarten. Then I'm like, yeah. I saw the child. Then I said, oh, so they have more emotions to what I thought, and then like it, it makes a difference. It makes a difference because even, yes. yeah, it, it helps you to know like what. This is why I feel this way. This is what this is called. When we're able to label it, then we're able to walk through it. We're able to guide ourselves through that process. Yes. And then that's the problem solving stage, which is the kind of tools. Yeah. The range of tools. And you mentioned the breathing. You know, mm -hmm. there's there's obviously the reframing of your beliefs and the having the right mindset. And there are a range of tools. And it's also about how we work with the body because emotions are in the body yes, and how yes. we release so the kinds of movement movement and stretching that we we do it's all they're all tools okay. they're all tools in that problem solving stage um yes. so that is really really helpful Manny. those three steps in terms of helping parents um the awareness the labeling the problem solving using a range of tools yeah thank you for that um, and what can you say to anyone who is going through trauma and um, especially, especially now regarding all the traumatic events mm. currently in the world, what, what can you say? Yeah, I mean, right now the world is seeing so many things that have never happened before, like there's so much going on in the world right now. 
Mm. And it's really very traumatic, like you say. But I'd like to let everyone know that despite what you're going through, the first thing is to find a community of support. It can be just one person you can talk to because keeping it within us, shoving it under the rock, it, it won't help. So the first thing is to talk to someone. Don't be alone. Don't be alone with your emotions. Don't be alone in your thoughts or whatever difficult situations you're going through. Talk to someone about it because we can recovery is possible. I always say that like, despite how far the traumatic um, encounters are or how much it impacts you, it is possible to recover from it. But first it has to start with you talking to someone about it, opening up about your experiences. And when we don't do that, when we don't talk to people, we often feel like we are all alone. And that's another lie of um, trauma, right? Making you feel isolated and lonely. But when we are able to talk to people about it, then we realize, oh, I'm not really alone like I think, or like I've always thought. There are people who have been through similar circumstances and they can help me. So I always say um, recovery thrives in community yeah. and, and trauma thrives in isolation. Yes. Yeah, so that's one thing I like to tell everyone who is experiencing trauma, to find someone you can talk to yeah. and yeah. about your experiences. And that's really good because, you know, this social isolation that we've all been asked to do, it's the real yeah. wrong term. It should be more of kind of physical isolation is different from social isolation. Yeah. You, know, you can be physically apart. You can, you may have to stay away from other people, but you don't have to be socially isolated. You can use yeah. the technology around you to make sure that you are still remaining socially connected. Mm -hmm. And this really is the truth about recovery yeah. it is community-based and it helps you not to feel alone when you actually see someone or talk mm -hmm. to someone it yeah. could be over the fence it could be someone that you you see on skype like what we're doing now yeah um so this is this is really that's really really valued that very really. thank you for that and where can people yeah, find that's you that's the, beauty of the world. that's the beauty of the world we live in now because although there's so much going on like collective trauma going on right now. But the beauty of it is that technology has advanced to the point where we can talk to each other. We don't have to be there physically. Yes. While we're maintaining physical distancing, we can still reach out, connect with people by phone. Not just, I mean, like this, um, this mass social media. Sometimes we just go there and scroll through social media feeds and all that. But find someone you can connect to one-on-one. -on -one. That makes yeah. a difference. Yes. Because like yes. I know most um, the research has shown that in Facebook and all of that, people feel more disconnected and more isolated, although it's a mass village, right? But then find one person you can connect to and that builds that that builds your faith to know that I can recover from what I'm going through. When you connect someone, one, one with someone. Yeah. A listening ear, someone who you feel yeah. safe, someone you can trust someone yeah. who you know respects and has regard for you and we know at least one person like that in our lives yeah um, or we have a professional who we can go to who we know can um, make us feel safe or at least not reduce the feeling of safety that we have yeah so that's really brilliant and where can people find you and connect with you Maggie? um you can find me on instagram facebook my name is Manny Ebot, M-A-N-Y-I-E-B-O-T, 
or my website, manyibos.com, or you can listen to my podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, Google Podcasts, or many other places. You can listen to this called Possibility Realm Podcast. You can find me in any of those places. Brilliant. Thank you, Manyan. I'm, I'm going to put all the links to where you can be connected and where you can be reached with this podcast. Um, and I do appreciate Elizabeth allowing me to talk to talk to you for this period of time. Um, and I wish you both a wonderful, wonderful day. Thank, thank you so you. much. Thank you and so much for having me, Bola. You are amazing. And thanks for the great work you're doing. It's so beautiful. I just saw your your new advert on five-day perfectionism detox. That's such a wonderful program. Thank you for the great work you're doing. I love it. I enjoy my work. Thank you. Thank you, Manye. And I'm saying thank you to our listeners and um, speak to you all very soon. Take very good care. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.